Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta Yordana Ozband, our daf of the day, Masachar Rosh Hashanah, daf Gimel, page three. So, our daf, well, we're talking about the year, the Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the year, when we're counting for kings. So the Mishnah makes it pretty clear that this is Rosh Chodesh Nisan. That is the first day of Nisan, and that's how we're going to count out the years for kings. The Gemara makes it clear that it's not that clear. So what happens? The Gemara um, on Amud Aleph here, first, the first thing, well, not the first thing it does in the daf, but the first thing in this topic that I'm concerned about, it asks, you know, how do we know that the, that the king's rule is counted from Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Where do we get that from? And the Gemara does some real, you know, usual expected fancy footwork with biblical verses and so on, and some logic to infer that this is how we get there. And then towards heading towards the bottom of the Amud, the Gemara takes a you know shift and says, So there's a brighta, meaning that there is a tradition that is already something that presumably they had access to, right? That it, that is in the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan, how is it that they knew that the count of the king's years would begin in Rosh Chodesh Nisan? So my question is, and again, I don't have an answer here, but the fact that the Gemara does all this derivation to pull out, you know, where is it? How is it that we know this? Meaning nobody says, oh, because it says in the Mishnah. The question is, how does the Mishnah know that it's Rosh Chodesh Nisan? And then the Gemara's der- derivation talks about, well, it, it starts counting the years of the various kings, and there's a verse from Chronicles, and there's a verse from Exodus, and meaning there, all of this is there for the, for the learning of it. And then, lo and behold, there's a statement that just makes it much simpler. Excuse me. How do we know that we don't count the years of the kings, except for from Rosh Chodesh Nisan? So we've got a verse that says that it came to pass 480th year after the children of Israel came out of the land of Egypt. We've got another verse um, that speaks of how Aaron HaKohen um, went up to Horahar. This is where he's going to die. Right? And that's in Sefer Bamidbar. And it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, in the first month that Moshe speaks to Bnei Shal and Sefer Devarim. So you put these three verses together. And already we're doing yet another fancy footwork, except for that it's much more compact in that it all comes from this breita. We've got another verse the in Devarim that says, after they kill Sichon, the, who is the king of the Amorites, and then the Kanani, who is understood to be the king of Arad, who lives in the south, right? This is all verses in Sefer Bamidbar, Book of Numbers. And another verse, Vayiru Kolheida. He gave Aaron. Everybody sees that Aaron had died. By Vomer, Vomer, sorry. By Bechodesh Harishon Bashana Hashenit. And so then the verse says, and this is tracking back from Sefer Bamidbar, going back to Sefer Shmot to the Book of Exodus. It came to pass in the first day. I'm sorry, in the first month in the second year. Now the first month in the second year is the first month a year after Bnei Israel have left Egypt, which is going to bring us to Nisan, but a year later. 
So this is and and the count here, right? Is that they're counting the year of the the monarch there, right? We're talking about um, first they kill Sihon, and then Aaron has died, and this is this is the count. This is how they the second year. This is the key term, right? Because otherwise you're in the first year. You come back to the first month, and now you're going to call it the second year, which is the counting of the years that so we're adding one. From from where we started, this tells us where we started. Okay, so it's a little bit um, tricky to line up the verses to get to this conclusion. Again, I find it interesting that it basically the Gemara basically does it twice: once on its own, so to speak, and then once with a brisa. And then the Gemara goes on: That business of Rosh Chodesh Nisan being the way we count kings is only when we're talking about Jewish kings. Yerdan, I think you mentioned this when you presented the Mishnah. We count from Tishrei, right, which is when we have Rosh Hashanah for the year, right, um, for the months, is the way we're going to count for the kings of the non-Jewish nations. And how do we know that? And again, we have a verse. Sorry, his name is hard for me. It's a Persian name, right? So here we've got two verses from Sefer Nehemiah. The first is the first verse of the first chapter of Nehemiah, and the second is the first verse of the second chapter of Nehemiah. And the year, right, we're talking about Kislev in the 20th year, and then Nisan in the 20th year. And one follows the other, but they're still in the same 20th year. The count of the year hasn't changed, even though we've gotten to Nisan. So we can understand that the count is only going to kick in when it comes back around to Tishrei, and then it'll be the second month. So the fact that the that the count of the years is different for Jewish kings versus non-Jewish kings, I think is interesting. I'm not sure that I have anything wise to say about that. I understand why the Jewish king count comes from Nisan, because it's tracking from Yitzhak Mitzrayim, from the Exodus, which is, you know, the quintessential um, let's be Jewish, we've become a Jewish people type of event. So it makes sense to count from there. Why we wouldn't count non-Jewish kings from there is perhaps because they're not really part of the, I mean, they're not at all part of the Jewish people, so that it would make sense for them to count from there. And so they're just going to count from the creation of the world. It's like saying they're following the calendar. Now, the irony, of course, is that nowadays we relate to the Tishri calendar as the uniquely Jewish calendar, and anything else would be a secular calendar coming from, let's say, oh, I don't know, January 1st. But the idea here is that the the Tishrei count is going to be applicable to the whole world in a way that the Nisan count is not. That is unique to the Jewish people. So I think it's an interesting point that you make, but I one of the things that distinguishes us as Jewish people is always that we have our own calendar, that there's sort of this, rest of the world calendar and then Jewish calendar. And we see that reflected, I think, even in Rosh Hashanah, right? It's like that's Yom Harat Olam, right? That's the day of creation. But yet at the same time, we talk about Pesach as being, you know, sort of our Jewish uh, New Year in a certain way. So I, 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 you know, I think it's a way of keeping us distinctive. And there are lots of things we do, um, you know, halachot about wine, bread, and if even time is different, it continues to make us very distinctive from other nations. I think that's a really valuable point. So I'm going to move on here um, with a really interesting second part of this step. 
And it begins with So Rav Chis is basically going to try to learn out how do we know for non-Jewish kings that it's Tishrei. And I love that just as much as they want to spend as much time trying to figure out how we know it's Nisan for Jewish kings, we're going to spend time trying to figure out how it's Tishrei for non-Jewish kings. And what basically follows is a very deep dive into uh, some of, uh, you know, many who came from Nehemiah um, to basically show that when they talk about the non-Jewish king there, that, you know, the count is basically from Tishrei. But one of the things that's interesting here that I want to give a little context to is one of the challenges about Sefer Daniel, Ezra, and Nehemiah, which are, you know, in the Ketuvim, uh, they're, they're, really, they're not part of Nevi'im. It's the second, it's the third part, excuse me, of Tanakh. And it's supposed to be sort of already this transitional period where we're moving away from prophecy. Um, but those three sefers of Daniel, Ezra, and Nehemiah all deal with, uh, you know, Persian. And one, you know, when you go through it and read the history there, one of the challenges is, is that as it's presented, sort of the names of the Persian kings, it doesn't necessarily, if you were a historian, doesn't necessarily line up with what we know historically about the Persian kings at that same parallel time. So as it goes through this whole, um, you know, this whole thing, um, and then it gets into this discussion about Koresh specifically, and was Koresh a good king, or he wasn't a good king, because the thing about Koresh, uh, you know, to remember is, is that the Persian kings allowed the Shivatzion to happen. You know, they allowed Ezra and Nehemiah to return and to rebuild the Beit HaMikdash and to restore Yerushalayim. So they are seen somewhat favorably, you know, as kings. Um, and so, you know, part of what, uh, you know, happens here is so there's a whole back and forth about exactly, you know, how are we counting and, you know, uh, and about Koresh and Daryavish and, um, uh, you know, and, and one of the things that says here is, this is the middle of Amud Bet, Amar Rabbi Yabal, Koresh Melch Hasher Haya Lefichach Manu Lo Yisrael. So Rabbi Yabalku says, that basically Koresh was a good king. So for him, right, actually in Haggai, which is also one of the, that that's actually in Nevi, and that's the Treasar. So sorry, I should back up a little bit. The Sfarim that deal with the Shivatzion and, uh, you know, uh, besides Daniel and Ezra and Nehemiah, in the end of, of Nevi'im is the last three books of Treasar, which is Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. So that, those six books are all in Esther somewhat as well, or those seven books are all dealing with sort of this the same time period with these Persian kings. Um, Daniel actually starts with the Vuchanetzer, but it ends up with the Persian kings. So, so when you're there, I just want to I just want to comment. The difference, of course, is that in the Neviim Achronim, right, Chagai Zachar and Malachi, who are who are the end of prophecy, but they're also speaking prophecy, meaning it's poetry. Right. It's it's not accessible narrative that you can understand exactly what they're speaking to unless you really, I don't know, already know what it is that they're speaking about. Yes, I, I think that's a, that is a good point to bring up. And yes, they're also part of this transition, you know, away from prophecy. And then you get to Daniel, Ezra, and Nehemiah, who are no longer even considered to be prophets. So we have Rabbi Avalu here who wants to argue that Koresh is actually a good king. And therefore... Um, you know, um, you know, he would be counted as Jewish kings. And then Rav Yosef comes and, you know, he tries to prove, you know, that maybe 
you know, that that's not actually true. Um, and, uh, you know, what, but, but anyhow, but the point here that's interesting is, is that there's a, um, uh, an interesting passage here, Vaod, me dummy, right? Right? When we're talking about Rabbi Yossi's objection and Rabbi Avahu's sort of resolution, Hatsam Karish, when they start going through, you know, whether or not it could be possible that a Jewish king, that a non Jewish king would be counted by Jewish heroes, one of them is talking about Karish, one of them is talking about Daryavish. So the Gemara's point here is they're talking apples and oranges. They're not even talking about the same person. And then it finally says, right, Tana, right? Um, it says, who Koresh, who Daryavish, who Artachsta, I can never, I can't say this one either, and Artachsta, <laughs> right? So um, so basically their answer is, is that no, it's not difficult because what did the Chachamim teach us in Abraisa? That whenever it has these three names, right, these three Persian kings' names, they always are referring to the same person. Okay. Now, if you read the narrative of the text, it does not actually seem like it's the same person. Um, so Korish was called that because that's when he was a virtuous king, right? Our Tachsta is Al Shemachito. That was the name of his actual kingdom. Like that was his sort of royal title. And Daryavish was like his actual, like his sort of personal name. So uh, it's way too long to go into this fully in the podcast. But I think the point here is, is that one of the challenges with Ezra, Nechem, and Daniel, which I mentioned is, is that it doesn't line up. The, the names of the kings, the orders of the kings do not line up with what we know about Persian history. And so here sort of stuck into the page is a Gemara resolution for that, which is simply to say, no, Whenever it says those names, it's actually always talking about the same person. So you don't really have to worry about some of the chronology. It's really the same person. This, if you're a historian, this answer does not actually work for you. So if you have some spare time, I actually encourage, you know, our co-learners to, you know, look up a little bit about Ezra and Nehemiah specifically um, and how the kings are presented there. Also with Daniel as well. Um, and you'll come, you will probably come across this passage about how the Gemara deals with the discrepancy between what we know from actual Persian historical documents versus how it's presented in Tanakh itself. I'll just note that this is, of course, a classic method of Chazal of handling, you know, unknown personalities that they can't really identify, and so then they they are able to, I don't know. Um, kind of collapse different people into one. We see there's throughout Midrash on, for example, Sefer Breshit, people who's, or or Sefer Shemot, meaning it's all throughout the way Midrash works to say, here's some minor character's name. We don't know who that person is, but they've done such something so critical. It's very logical then to align that person with the better known famous person. So for example, I'm thinking of the midwives in Sefer Shemot. The midwives are named Shifra and Pua, but who are Shifra and Pua? I mean, we could answer that. We could say they're the midwives. Isn't that enough for them? But the Midrash, the, the Midrashic impulse is to say, but I never heard of these people. They must be other people that we know who are, you know, bigger, more important. So, for example, let's line them up with, and they are then aligned, with Yocheved and Miriam, right? So that's like just an example. I mean, it happens everywhere um, of, they call it conservation of biblical personality. The idea that we're not going to have... Why would the Torah give us people that we don't even know who they are? It must be that we're 
learning something new about who they are, what they did in that other role, so they get a different name, but really it's the same personality, same person um, character that we that we know well who, to be very important. So it's not so surprising to me that this approach would then appear when there's you know a, a confusion amongst in the actual historical chronology. Well, it must all be this person because that's the one we know who is known to be good, and 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 that's great, you know. Yeah. So again, I wish we could have spent a little bit more time with this, but, you know, just to give a little bit of taste of some of the issues brought up specifically in, in those far. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Time with Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.